Hello, my name is Ronnie. I'm an alcoholic. Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Step Series. Let's have Tanner come up and do our joke now. <laughs> I'm Tanner. I'm an alcoholic. <clears throat> so, uh, so a duck walks into the bar and says to the bartender, I'd like to buy some peanuts. The bartender says, disregarding the fact that a duck just walked in and spoke to him, Sorry, I don't sell peanuts. The duck leaves. The next day, the duck returns and again and says, I want to buy some peanuts. The bartender replies a bit gruffly this time, I don't have, we don't sell peanuts. Um, And the duck leaves. The next day, the duck comes back in once again and again demands, I want to buy some peanuts. The outraged bartender yells back, I told you I don't sell peanuts. If you ask one more time, I'll nail you to the wall. The duck leaves. The next day, the duck walks into the bar again, and before the bartender can even say a word, the duck asks, do you have any nails? <laughs> the bartender looks, looks uh, taken aback and says quietly, sorry, I don't have any nails. And then the duck replies without missing a beat, well then, do you have any peanuts? <laughs> In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation. So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that would make noise or might distract others. Let's take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away. And ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? All right, let's start the meditation. Be 
right, so I'm going to lead with the fog light prayer. If you do not know it, it is back there. Just follow me. God, let your love shine through me. Like All right, so there's a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. And I've asked a very special birthday boy to come up and read The Spiritual Experience. spiritual experiences the term spiritual thank you by the way the term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of the sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. Wrong. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among a rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of the experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before himself. He finally realizes that he has, has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life. What did he say? He finally realizes he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify as their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Over second page. Most of us think the awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle, which is the bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, which cannot keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Thank you very much. Alcoholics Anonymous. William Taylor.
So, please refrain from disturbing others by talking constantly or getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane meeting mode or just turn them off. And now we have Doc coming up to do his ninth session out of 12. Everybody help me introduce Doc. Cool. Thanks, Doc Alcoholic. And I thank God they wrote it down. And last night I thanked God they wrote it down. And this morning I thanked him. And I really am grateful that just about anything that happens in my life, I can find a very simple and easy to follow answer or solution in these two books. It is... It is startling how clear this was written because it was written by one of us. It's, it's, it's amazing how much we have in common, you know? I mean, I, I wanted to have something in common with my fellow man, and that was hard to dig through because the, it, we're so different when you look at the broad, big picture. But when we get down to the, the fine details of being alcoholic, drug addict, messes. We are so similar, you know? And I've told newcomers, I've said, I know you better than your mom knows you. No, you don't. Because your, your mom knows what it's like to be holed up in a cheap motel? No, never. Really? I do. Your mom knows what it's like to throw up and uh, repeatedly until you pass out on the bathroom floor, on your knees, in a little egg shape, and then your cheek gently lays against that cool, smooth, white porcelain, and it feels so, it's relief, that cold toilet bowl against that hot face. And and my mom never felt that, but we have, you know? Have you ever felt you loved someone so much that you couldn't break up with them, you would have to kill them before you could let them go? Right? That that's true love? I don't think my mom ever felt that. But you have, and I have. We know. We're the same people, man. We're the same people. And this book is written by us, for us. And I also believe God inspired it. And uh, whether he did or not doesn't matter. I I believe the truth is the truth. Uh, There was a great little book I read many years ago by Robert Bach called uh, Illusions, The Adventures of a uh, uh, Reluctant Messiah. That's what it was. The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah. And this messianic character says something, and the the author says, "I, I think you're quoting Snoopy the dog there, aren't you? And he says, I quote the truth wherever I find it. And I think that's exactly right. So doesn't matter if you believe this to be divinely inspired or not. It's filled with truth. And uh, I don't need to think that, that God touched Plato or Aristotle to believe that, that they knew the truth about certain things. So we talked about step eight in, in last week a little bit. And, and I mentioned that eight and nine are kind of woven together. Uh, the book even says, when you, when you open up uh, the 12 and 12, on step 8, on page 77, it says steps 8 and 9, it starts out with, because they're interwoven together. I said last week that I, that I tell people, shall we do peach? Yes, let's. That uh, 
that I tell uh, protégés that I work with that if they do a thorough eight, we'll take a look at it, and they may not have to do a nine, right? And then I, I let you in on the secret is, is if one does a completely thorough eight step, uh, you can't help but be compelled to do a ninth step. And the same thing will hold true for 10. In fact, um, I'll, I'll jump right into it. It, it. it says in the big book, it says in our, you know, every morning we pray about this. In our morning meditation, that's still in step nine. That's before we get to, gosh, I want to take a drink, but I just can't quit talking. Right? Before we get to 10, it says on page 83 in the big book, it says, so we clean house with the family, asking each morning in meditation that our Creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Right? Well, that's 10. But it comes a page and a half or, or at least a full page before it says, this thought brings us to step 10. Then next week we'll talk about, well, which part is 10 and which part is 11? Who cares? You know, I do them as a whole. They're one big thing. They just happen to be divided into 12 things so that people like you and I will believe we can do them, right? Because how do you eat an elephant? I don't know. I've never eaten an elephant. So I would have to take somebody else's experience. But they say one spoonful at a time, right? I do know how to dig a ditch, it's so funny because uh, uh, I didn't talk to my mom for a couple weeks. <laughs> Jesus. And so my mom says what all moms say because I think I'm still 16 in her mind. And she goes, oh, I'm so glad you called. I was afraid you might be dead in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> and I said, mom, I don't even think they have ditches anymore, you know. I don't think they use ditches. But when they did, I knew how to dig them, and that was one shovel at a time. And that's why they number these out, to make it look like we could do it, like it's a cookbook. It's, very, it's, very, it's set up like a chemistry experiment, right? Or like a recipe for cooking. You do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. And we call that mysticism, right? That's what the big book is written like, too. If you take this, if you take willingness and open-mindedness and honesty, you'll get something more out of it. If you take honesty and open-mindedness and a desire to seek and do God's will, it'll create humility, right? If you use pain as an admission price to a new life, it'll buy more than that admission. It'll buy some humility that will ease the pain, that will uh, uh, heal the pain, right? So it's, it, it's all like that. We also have things that if you mix this and this, it'll explode, Right? And it's in the big book. And it's in this step. It says this is where, in 8 and 9, it says this is where fear will conspire with what? Fear conspires with pride. Right? Oh, man, those are two of my big enemies right there. I just, I, through the grace of God and the, the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, I was able to pick up a 30-year a, a chip this week. And it, was, and it was God's gift, right? And I'm, I'm paying him back for the rest of my life because I know I should be dead by now. And uh, I still have fear. Criminy. I had some calls I had to make this morning. And guess what? I slept in. Right? Because I, I was, I was ha I, I, even in my sleep, I was like, no, 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 no. I'm rolling over. 
And I know when I woke up, I went, oh, geez, that was just fear. That was just fear that got from subconscious, bypassing my consciousness right into my body to hit snooze and sleep. I didn't even hit snooze. I hit off, right? (laughs) And slept a little later so I didn't have to make those calls, right? That's, That's fear. And then once I get my consciousness back, which is usually after prayer and meditation in the morning, is to go, oh, man, what do I have to fear? I don't have anything to fear because I'm aligned with this power much greater than me. Excuse me. A couple weeks ago, I talked about how big the universe is and how small we are compared to it, right? That uh, before 1995... They could only guess at the number of galaxies. We knew there was the galaxy we're in, which is the Milky Way. We could guess there were billions of stars. We didn't know really how many until about 1995. And we guessed that there was another one. We thought we had seen Andromeda, another galaxy. But we didn't really have proof of others. We had some guesses. We had some radiation readings. We had some background noise and things like that. And then once the Hubble uh, telescope was launched in 1995, we found that there were about 250 billion stars in our galaxy, and we can estimate about 200 billion galaxies of similar size. And it goes on so far that there's, as I explained, there's an event horizon where the light hasn't had time to reach us yet. And so we don't know how far out it goes, but it's big. And then when you take the multiverse look in quantum physics, you have that universe like a slice of bread in a whole loaf with a bunch of universes like that, or a deck of cards, right? It's big. And then you're pissed off because she didn't text back, (laughs) right? You know, you're pissed because you bought a part for your car from the dealership and found it on eBay at half price. And you can't let that go for months, you know? You're pissed because you gave a newcomer a ride, and one, he didn't thank you, and two, something showed up missing from your car, and I'm pretty sure it was that son of a gun that did it, you know? And yet, the universe is big, really, really big, right? But I brought that up a couple weeks ago because I knew we were coming to nine. And the beautiful thing is, is if I remain completely powerless throughout my life, as I believe this whole program teaches us to do, I've heard speakers say that once you get past one, you're no longer powerless. And I would argue, maybe semantics, but I would argue I am empowered today. There's no power in my light bulbs. They shine light when they're hooked up to the power but they are powerless of themselves. And I remain powerless of myself. Uh, Sometimes I don't believe that, right? Sometimes I believe if I just call this guy, I'm going to call him at 11, not at 9, because he'll be... Or I'll call him at 1. That'll be better. He'll already have had lunch. He'll be sleepy. It'll be better to talk to right? I still have a little bit of control over what... And it's silly. It's silly, right? Either I'm powerless or I'm not. And I'm powerless over all the little things. And once I get that into my head and my heart, then I realize that, that life is, is much easier. That I'm not in charge of all that little stuff, right? 
that I can let that go and just stand up and be a man and be strong and do the right thing, no matter what the consequences, what the book says. It says, do the next right thing, and then we quit the sentence. The whole sentence is, we do the next right thing, no matter what the consequences. Which means I may get my butt chewed, right? If I did something wrong, and I want to avoid that, then I won't call, right? But I need, to do the, I need to do what's right. I need to call. I need to do what's right. I need to go see somebody about something. Whatever it is. That's ninth step. Every day of my life I have a ninth step. Right? It's not just that I go out and try to reconstruct all the damage I did. It's going on into things that I'm damaging right now. Just from being a human being. Right? You know, I promised it would be done on this day and it's not done. So what should I do? I'll just avoid them, right? That's a good business model right there. That'll guarantee success. Jeez. <laughs> oh, no, I have to call them and say, you know what? I promised it'd be done. It's not done. And let them rip. Do the right thing, no matter what the consequences. Because once I admit I'm powerless, when I get down here to nine, I've been transformed in six and seven. Through eight and nine, I'm becoming a different man of action, And by 10, it says we're on a new level. It should really put one at the bottom, shouldn't it? You know, because now I've risen up to 10. But at 9, it says, so we go out from here. And it's not talking about leaving the meeting and going out and doing restitution. It sounds like it is, right? It sounds like, okay, so now I'll go out, I'll go door to door, and I'll go, I'm sorry, I ripped you off, and what can I do to pay you back, you know? Uh, that's, that's not, it, it means much more. It means that that, do we still have that graphic of uh, the soul and the, look at that, the Larkin graphic. This, 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 this group is awesome. So we want to go out from where? From where God is. That says Holy Spirit because it was written in 1919. Our big book calls it the sunlight of the Spirit, right? Same, same thing. And we want to go out from there where God is, but we've got to pass through. You can do just the whole thing. It's fine. And we've got to pass through the spiritual. We can't go through that wall, right? So it's got an opening, and that opening is guarded by the will, Right? So willingness opens the door. That's what it says. The key is willingness. There it is right there. And I, I, we want that God in us, that's in all of us, to pass through that pneuma, the spirit, which is our life force, which is not in the big book, but there are a lot of people that believe that after you shed this, this uh, body, this soma, that we're all actually sharing the same spirit, the same pneuma, the same life force. But the thing in between, the psyche, is what the big book talks about. And that's our, that's our, that's our personality. That, that's what makes us us. That's what makes us different, different from everybody else. Because what comes in through the body with the five basic uh, uh, senses, and there are more, right? No, there aren't. Yeah, there are. For instance, uh, uh, muscle tension is a sense. If you go pick up your bag at an airport, it has nothing to do with your sense of touch because you can be wearing your ski gloves, right, at a ski resort and know whether your bag is heavy or light. 
And that's because of the amount of tension on your muscles. And that's muscle tension. That's not touch. Right? That's just one. There's lots of them. But, but we're familiar with five basic ones, right? Mostly the ones in our head, right? Taste, hearing, smelling, seeing. That's why we think we live in our head, and we probably don't. But when it says we're going out from here, it means that now that that God part passes through that will into our soul, and that we now have to go out into our body and move our body as a vessel of this sunlight of the spirit that the big book talks about and carry it to everybody around, which is what will eventually lead us into 12, right? We go around and bring all of this to others. So step nine has got some really cool hidden stuff in there. Um, Let's take a look. This is one of Chris's favorite little... uh, things here. If we, if we get to uh, the end of step nine, which is on uh, 82, 83, 84, 84, right? Yeah, 83 and 84. We read it at almost every meeting. If we are pains taking, right? And so people go, well, well what does that mean? Does that mean halfway, you know? Okay, we'll get there. If we are painstaking, all right, painful, (laughs) willing to take the pain, learn to take a punch. That's life, right? Learn to take a punch. It already said that we spent most of our life, in step seven, it said we spent most of our life running from pain as if it were a plague, Right? A zombie apocalypse. We ran from pain. We would do anything to avoid pain. My biggest fear is is still pain. Even though if I take that and build on it, that pain becomes the pain of lack of material security and the pain of the lack of emotional security. Right? So stuff and affection. Right? So money and sex which is not just the act of sex, but all of the relationships that we have. Because we are incapable of forming a healthy relationship with another human being. And this is why this book was written, in order for you to find a higher power, power greater than yourself, that will enable you to do this, it says. Right? Not enable you to quit drinking. Enable you to have a healthy relationship with other human beings. With every human being, it says, when you get to nine. So, yes, there will be pain. And if you're willing to take a punch, and I have found this. Uh, I was the tall kid, right? Of course. And so I was, uh, you know, as tall as a sixth grader in third grade. So the sixth graders would come and whoop my ass to show how great they were. And I'm still a third grader, you know? That's That's sick. But that's what I had, right? And there was finally a point, and it took, it took a couple years. It was like at fifth grade where I went, you know what? I'm not taking this anymore. And I, 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 I didn't have to punch back. Um, I eventually did, because that had to do with alcohol, though. <laughs> not, not with my inner child 
workshop. It had to do with getting drunk and going, you know what? I see every bully I ever knew right in you, sir. And I am dragging you across the pavement in the parking lot. Those days are long gone. Um, But I learned that if you take a punch from the bigger, older kids, that that freaks them out. That's usually the end of the fight right there. One good punch and you just shake it off and look at them. That's it. At the most... Two punches, right? At the most. There's the, whether, whether, again, like I, I preface so many things, whether you believe the Buddha was an actual living person or not, there's much to learn in the mythology. Whether you believe that the, 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 the God Krishna was, a, was a, a living being or not, there's much to learn in the mythology. Same with Jesus. It's just that Jesus gets a hard time these days. You know, they go, oh, not that mythology. Right, because there's a lot of hypocrites. Face it. So that's that's why, as alcoholics, we kind of go, "Uh oh, he's talking about that guy again." So, but I, I preference it that doesn't matter if you believe it to be real. The lessons within it is, are worth learning, right? And one of them was you turn the other cheek. And I've heard preachers go, "Well, that doesn't mean that you actually." Yes, it does. It means you learn to take a punch, because that's what life has to offer, man. Life is painful. Ask your mother. The moment you were born, she was screaming in pain, right? And it doesn't get better after that. You know, ask your mother. She goes through more pain. The older you got, the more pain she went through. My mom's 85, still going through pain about me. She's upset about something I did in 1978, you know? Come on, I'm sorry. I was loaded, man. They didn't even have a name for MDMA back then. <laughs> it was called the love drug. That's all we knew. I'm not joking about that. Okay, so if we are painstaking, if we can take a punch from life, from others, if we have enough humility, if we are, we may be powerless, but we are empowered today, right? Right? So the creator, which is the word that's used in this big book a lot, if, we're, if our higher power is in fact the creator, as the big book suggests it is, then the creator of all that universe, all those billions times billions times billions of stars and planets and stuff out there stacked on top of another, more than our minds could ever conceive. All of that is small to this creator. And we align ourselves with this creator through this program, right? And therefore we are empowered, not by some offshoot, not by our lover, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, not by money, not by prestige, position, right? We're empowered like step six says, we're, we're trying to grow in the image and likeness of our own creator. We're empowered by this creator, and therefore, we're not so tiny in this giant universe anymore. We're empowered with the largest creator of it all. It's amazing. We suddenly find our way that way. We're not lost whirling through the endless space. We're connected with this creator. And we can take a punch we're empowered. 
The humility does that. It goes, bam, the pain's gone. Kind of like Wolverine. If we're painstaking about this phase of our development, the phases of development, and if we think in terms of that, it's certainly this to 12, which returns us back to 1 to this, and that that growth continues. The day we quit growing, they're going to bury you right after that. I know plenty of people younger than Mike Chase (laughs) who are old because they quit growing, you know? And then I got people like my parents that are still doing crazy stuff with their lives, you know? Still growing, you know? It's amazing. A couple years ago, my mom said, I had like a, a, a three or four hour talk with your dad. My dad... You've been, you've been divorced for like 50 years, right? Almost. And you go, but we settled everything. We're all good now. Well, okay. That's growth. That's the growth she needed. God bless her. Amazing, right? Amazing. That's why they're still living. That's why our, uh, the phases of development continue on and on and on and on. We'll be amazed before we're halfway through. Halfway through with the, the steps? No. Halfway through with the development? No. Halfway through with what? The change. Right? The change that's coming as we go through the transformative steps of 6 and 7. And then it says in 8 and 9, uh, faith without works is dead, which is a quote from the book of James, second chapter, 14th verse. And James was Jesus' brother. At least some theologians believe that. Which is kind of cool, actually. Because uh, if you are a proponent of that belief, then uh, the story goes that James thought, James and Jude thought that their older brother was nuts when he was running around starting his little cult. And then he died, and then he came back from the dead for 40 days, and they went, Jesus! That's exactly what they said. And then, and then they wrote the book of Jude and the book of James that went like, wow, this, he was. We thought he was just a crazy older brother, but he wasn't. So it's a fun book. And the book of James, by the way, is where we get the 12 steps. So if you want to see where the origin of the 12 steps came from, it's only got four chapters. It's a really tiny little book. And you, might, you read through that, and it's got some good stuff. It actually stomps down all of the hypocritical Christian uh, aggressiveness that we've seen over the last couple thousand years. Um, it does. He says that uh, your true religion is to help orphans and uh, widows, the poor. Any other religion is false. Right? Whoa. If that's all, all, all Christians did, this would be a beautiful world, wouldn't it? But we're at nine. Faith without works is dead. You have to do something. That 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 God has to pass through into your body from the very center of you, out from here, and then we have to take it out to the, to the people. Um, you'll be amazed before you're halfway through this change. We're going to know a new freedom of what? Freedom of all the things that I didn't think I was powerless over. Of all the things I thought I had to be in charge of. Every little detail, right? I'll know that freedom. That's a wonderful freedom. 
and a new happiness. Hap, as I've said a thousand times before, H-A-P-P, is a Nordic word. The root of happiness is hap, a Nordic word. Translates to quilt. Transliterates to comfort. So happiness, you can buy happiness. Yes, you can. It's comfort. You can buy it. Nice pair of shoes can make you happy because they're comfy. But joy is divine. Joy is not a higher level of happiness. Joy is something contained in the grace the big book talks about. And it comes to you, 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 you can't buy it, you can't earn it. All the good works in the world down here, faith without works, all that cannot make you joyful. You have to get rid of selfishness, and then the joy will come upon you. Free is what the books, the, it's what many books say, but our big book certainly says it, right? Ah, oh, will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. Why is that? Because of page 124. See, because you, okay, I'll, I'll give you a great, I asked this person if I, I'm not going to mention by name, but I asked this person if I could quote them. Um, there's a person that celebrated their anniversary uh, a couple days ago by uh, getting a tax return check and buying a bunch of heroin and holding up in a uh, cheap motel somewhere in Florida. You know, woo, party, right? And so uh, I, I texted him to see if, the, if this person would talk to me, and, and he did. And my response was not, you know, you stupid son of a gun, what are you doing? You're going to kill yourself. You know, I said, I remember when I was holed up <laughs> in the Crossroads Motel with a hooker and an eight ball in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And the funny part of the story is it's the same location they used for Jesse Pinkman to be held up with a hooker in Breaking Bad. So I sent him a picture of the actual hotel, and then I sent him a picture of the actress who played Wendy, the the hooker, and said, you know, now I think of it, it might have been the same hooker. (laughs) And, And he texted back, well... I don't have a hooker here. And I texted back, well, that's good because no hooker means more for us. (laughs) Bigger eight ball. Hooker equals less. Right? (laughs) Don't share, brother. Do it all. That got him laughing. And he took my call. And so we we spent about 30, 40 minutes tonight while I was getting ready to come here talking on the phone. Right? See, on page 124, it says, uh, Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past, your dark past, your lead, your awful, painful, heavy, poisonous, dark past, in God's hands is the greatest possession you have. Boom, gold. The key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can advert death and misery for them. What a gift. Isn't that what you want to do? Is help somebody avert death, save their life? It's a great feeling, by the way. Stay in this program long enough, people will approach you and say, you saved my life. I heard you speak one time. I was ready to go suck on the end of a gun But I heard you and went, okay, one more day, I'll try. And it has nothing to do with us, of course. We're, again, we're a vessel that God's coming through us. We're going out from here. It's living a ninth step. It's demonstrating. Because you can say, I'm sorry to people all day long, and they don't, it means nothing. We demonstrate. 
Me coming here demonstrates to my parents that I'm a different man than I was 30 years ago, right? Because to them, I'm the same guy. I'm, the, I'm, I'm a kid still. I'm, I swear to God, my mom and dad both, getting enough to eat? Yeah, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> it's only because I don't have grandkids. If I had grandkids, then they'd treat me better, right? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. One time, I believe in singleness of purpose in this, in this program. And I believe that alcohol is the razor-sharp tip of the arrow. And if we start saying alcohol and drugs, it, it kind of dulls the tip a little bit so that we can widen it, right? And then we say, and, and pornography and gambling and overeating and, and rage and, and, and codependency and da-da-da-da-da-da. And pretty soon we have a blunt point because we're trying to do too many things. So I believe in that. Pardon me, but I've also said behind that point down in here is all that other stuff that I did, right? That my alcoholism, that's my disease, if you want to call it alcoholism. Dipsotheria, right, was an old name for it, isn't that right? They used to call drunk dipsos. I like that better, dipsotheria. That's what I have. And, and certainly my alcohol came in the form of plant life that I smoked and powders that I snorted, all different kinds of powders that I snorted, and pills that I took and, you know, all sort, all that stuff is part of my disease, part of my alcoholic disease. And so I say that so that I can say one night I had been tripping on windowpane acid for about 14 hours and I went home and I tried to go to sleep and I was having, you know, those those sparkle kind of electric shorting out feelings, you know. And I was laying there and I couldn't sleep. So I got up and decided to walk around Albuquerque, New Mexico at four in the morning, coming down off acid. And I decided I will think about what the world needs and how to figure out all problems of the world. And so as I was just walking around, which is a form of meditation, really, I was walking around in the dark of night, nobody was out, and I was thinking, what is happiness? Because at that point, I thought happiness and joy were the same things, right? What is happiness? Oh, I don't know. Well, when am I happy? I guess I'm happy after Thanksgiving dinner. Okay, that's, that's one example. When is another time I'm happy? Happy at Christmas. Christmas morning, that, that made me happy when I was younger. Now that I'm older, what makes me happy? Oh, yeah, 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 good sex. I'm happy after good sex. So what do those have in common? Oh, I know, satisfaction. Therefore, <laughs> ergo, satisfaction equals happiness. My satisfaction makes me happy, right? Right? And I believe that's what we believe as drug addict alcoholics or alcoholic drug addicts, however we want to classify it. So that would mean that the stuff out here, when I get it, I'm joyful. Really, I, I, I'm happy because joy is divine. But I feel comfortable. I feel good when I get my desires met. Now, what I don't know is what it says in the big book, that 
our, our, or it says in the 12 and 12, our desires have outgrown their usefulness. They become cancerous. And they cause us to willfully demand more than is possible. More pleasure than will ever satisfy that desire. There's never enough Thanksgiving dinner. One more piece of pie, man. One more chicken leg, one more turkey leg, one more slice of ham, something. Right? There's never enough. The, the gifts I got on Christmas morning, that, that joy's gone by Christmas noon. Right? Are there any other presents left? No. Sex. Wait, before you go. One more for the road, right? Never enough. Never enough. But I didn't know that at the time because I was young and coming down off acid. But what it illustrates is perfectly the flow that I believed was from outside in would make me happy. That the, the desires to be met is what I needed. But the ninth step says we go out from here. So if God is like that, can you put that chart up again, please? If God is like this chart, if God is, if there is a, a, a spirit of divine inside of all of us that we all share, inside our life force called the spirit, which is inside our personality and our minds called the soul, which is inside somewhere in our body, if this is even near true, which we believe it is, this is, you know, a couple thousand years people have believed this, then the more I try to bring stuff in, the deeper I push that God feeling into the center, right? The more it, it goes farther and farther and farther away from the world, away from everybody else. The God in me gets pushed down deeper and deeper and deeper. This poor soul that I talked to who's holed up with, he's still got too much money to come back to a meeting, right? He said, he said, it's all about my feelings. I, I, I just, the problem was I kept pushing my feelings down inside. And I didn't correct him. I said, yeah, okay, I get that. You know, share them with me now, man. How do you feel now? High, good. That's good. At least you feel better, right? I got him to talk, but that's not what he was pushing down. Not his feelings. He's pushing down God. He's pushing down that light inside that goes down. Now, what happens to newcomers when they come and they hit step one and they actually admit they're powerless and they start trusting people and they come to meetings? What happens? We start seeing them light up, right? It's what Bill said about Ebby. There was something about his eyes, he says. There was something about his eyes that he saw God. See, because when we go out from here, instead of taking being my recipe for happiness and joy, when I reverse it and I make giving my recipe for joy and happiness, then that God in the center starts getting pulled out. And, we, it, it, and, and it permeates the whole spirit. My whole life becomes devoted to this power greater than myself. And then it starts sinking into my soul so that my thoughts, instead of monkey mind all the time, which is what the Buddhists call it, when you try to, you know, you tell somebody, do you meditate? No. Well, it is a step, you know. It's not just a suggestion. It's a effing step, man. Well, I'll get to it. Yeah, just, the, okay, you did your fourth and you ate. You're supposed to do this 
every day, twice a day. It says in the morning, in the evening. Well, you know, get to it. Thanks, God. But that monkey mind, they go, well, I can't meditate because my mind keeps chattering. That's why you should meditate. I know, but I can't meditate because my mind keeps chattering. I know that's why you should meditate. But I can't because just, 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 you're powerless over that monkey mind. But when we get it down, that monkey mind goes away when that God spirit, the sunlight of the spirit starts permeating into our soul, into our mind. That's what meditation does for us, among other things, physiological things it does for us that we need. It reduces the adrenochromes in our brain, which is not a drug. It, it, that's something that Hunter Thompson made up. Which I got Hunter Thompson stories, because I used to work in Aspen, so I got Hunter Thompson stories. Throwing him in the pool, tied up. Because he said he could escape like Houdini, so we tied him up and threw him in the pool. <laughs> Once they got him out, and then he couldn't do anything. And then, and, then, and then they go, maybe we should pull him out. So they pulled him out, and he coughed up water, and he goes, I didn't think you'd throw me in. <laughs> and then after it goes through your soul, what happens? It starts coming into your body, that light, that soul light, right? That nine-step light, that spirit, sunlight of the spirit. Then you start seeing it in people. And if you, can, if you can keep giving and that flow keeps going like this, it'll pull that God all the way out to the surface of your skin. And you'll start glowing. And you know it. Pregnant women do that. A God thing kind of glows about a pregnant woman, right? You just see it and you go, there's something about you, something in your eyes. Well, that's another life force, right? It's another spirit starting to fill that person up. Same thing happens with us. I'm going to end with this quick story. Oh, no, I don't have time. So I'll do it next week. We'll not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Why? Page 124. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. I'll get back to that. No matter far, how far down the scale we have gone, we will see that page 124 is correct. Right? That our experience can benefit others. That's why we don't shut the door on it because we want all that lead to be turned into gold. And Why? Because with that, we become useful. There's no need for self-pity, so those disappear. With that God coming out of us, in step nine, we lose interest in selfish things. Gain interest in fellows, because God, we become third. God is first, others are second, I'm third. Right? Self-seeking slips away, because I'm giving, not taking. Our whole attitude, giving, not taking. An outlook on life will change. So fear disappears because I'm aligned with God's will. I'm, I'm, I'm powerless. What do I have to fear? You know, I work for God. I, I am 10 feet tall and bulletproof, which is what I felt when I was drunk and high. Fear of people, right? Fear of emotional insecurity will disappear. Fear of economic insecurity, right? That's... That's material insecurity. Pain and pain will leave us. Why will we intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us? Because we're aligned with this power greater than ourselves. You know, uh, Bill Wilson said, you can look everywhere for God, but deep down inside every man, woman, and child is a fundamental concept of God, the idea of God. And in the end, that's the only place you will find him. He's talking about that. 
Then you'll suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Let's go back to this. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. What does that mean? Well, first of all, you have to know what the word comprehend means. You have to know what the word serenity means. You have to know what peace means. All right, this is, this is interesting. I thought I knew. I hear it every meeting. Well, what does serenity mean? I say a serenity prayer. Great, what does it mean? I think it just means calm, right? Well, I don't know. Did you look up the etymology, the root, where it came from, what it means, how it was used before you were born by 500 years, say? No? Okay, let me do it for you. Serenity was a word serene. It comes from serene, of course. Uh, It was a word reserved for the use of popes and kings, those who spoke with God. And it meant a crystal clear viewpoint. That's why we use it to describe a pool. A serene pool means there's a crystal clear view of it. The waters in the Bahamas, serene. You can look 40 feet down, it looks like 5 feet, right? doesn't mean calm, it means a crystal clear viewpoint. And you get it by speaking with God. Popes and kings is what it was reserved for. So what does comprehend mean? Ah, that's a great word. Because it means to seize, like apprehend. To comprehend means to seize with the mind. And it was used by alchemists in the 14th century. Hmm, my people. Seize with the mind the meaning of the word serenity. Which means understand that this word that we use all the time means a crystal clear viewpoint given by God. And then you will know peace. Well, what does that mean? There are two kinds of peace. There's, if you, if you look in Spanish, it's a, which is based on, on Latin, of course, right? There's uh, uh, tranquil, right? Tranquil. That's, that's, that's calm. But that's not what this means. This is divine peace. Divine peace is something that comes with joy and forgiveness and peace. And that means la paz, the paz, the, the, the view. It's another view that you are exactly where you're supposed to be in God's tapestry. That you are a single thread in this big, beautiful tapestry. Which means if you were woven in, you're only one thread away from all the other threads in the tapestry. Like Chris and I were laughing, you know. If you're a red thread, how dare you hate the blue threads? Doesn't make any sense. Right? We're all in God's tapestry. And, and you'll hear old timers go, you're exactly where you're supposed to be today. Oh, crap. <laughs> right? I don't even know what that means. What do you mean when you say that? What they're saying is, when you get a glimpse, a crystal clear vision of what's going on in this gigantic universe that has become so small because you aligned your willpower with the Creator's willpower, all of a sudden you get a flash, a view, that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And if you weren't there, it would be a thread ripped out of this perfect tapestry, and it would ruin it. I told this fellow, I said, any way you do this, you are going to be, your story is going to be an inspiration for others. I said, if you come back tonight, 
That'll be like a God incident that just happened in your life. And we will tell that story to everyone, and it'll be inspirational. I said, if you stay out another five years, become homeless, start shooting up Lysol, and then have to come back, you'll still be inspirational. It'll be a hell of a story to share. I said, and if you don't make it, and you OD, and they find your body somewhere in a cheap motel, I said, we will still tell your story, and it'll be inspirational and help somebody. So I said, dude, no matter what, you're not doing it wrong, right? No matter what, you're not doing it wrong. Let go, let God, one is nine, nine is 12. How's that? (laughs) I hope I confused everybody else. I won't see you next week, but I'll see you soon. Doc Alcoholic. Let's thank the speaker one more time. And we are going to have Megan come up for the secretary's report. Long time. My name is Megan, and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. Um, in keeping with the seventh tradition, uh, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. I've asked a friend to come up and read the recovered statement. Uh, We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as uh, recovered rather than uh, recovering, Um, and what exactly it means to be a recovered alcoholic. My name is Dan. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, This is the recovered statement. Uh, We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we, but we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of alcoholic centers in this mind rather than in the body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. A 1940s-style big book sponsorship from forward to the second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and have remained that way. 25% sobered up after some of relapses, and among uh, the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. Could I please have a show of hands of of recovered alcoholics? And then anyone needing a sponsor, please raise your hand. We have... um, the information on the Broward County Intergroup. If you'd like to do some service, there's the hours and all the contact information. Um, the Broward County Institutions Committee. Business meetings are the second Saturday of the month, um, <clears throat> 10 a.m. at the 12 Step House. All the dates for the near future are coming up. And then we have the 57th Annual Intergroup Appreciation Banquet. Um, it is April 25th, 6 to 10. 
Um, there's information on tickets and um, where to call to get them. And then the spring fling and chili cook-off and dinner. Saturday, March 7th. Um, that's at the NSU Davie campus. Dinner at 5.30. Then there's karaoke and a speaker at 8. And then to pre-register and book your room for Fickypaw, um, June 5th through 7th. Um, there's the address. Uh, and then this is our meeting, Alcoholics and God, Thursday nights, 7.15. Um, please also join us on Monday nights for the Big Book Study Meeting, where the Big Book comes alive. Fellowship is at 6.30, and the Big Book Study starts at 7.15. We have CDs, mugs, large print big books, the little red book, and big book dictionaries for sale um, in the back. And we take um, forms of electronic payment, too. Um, we meet every Thursday starting promptly at 7.15, and we ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. Um, and then also, if you smoke or vape, please do so um, 75 feet away from the door. We have tonight's session and all past speaker podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday Night Big Book study and those who wish to thank tonight's speaker. Please line up down the center aisle. And if you want to wish Mike Chase a happy birthday, he'll be running around frantically just try to get a hold of him. And let's uh, close with the Lord's Prayer and see you all Monday or next Thursday. And Godspeed. Our Father. Just can't give
Here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Now, growing vines, they 
twist and turn each way Flowers blooming all the time Outside my door Never before I had to change everything To realize That today is the best day of my life song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye.